Hello, welcome to Interdependent Study, our podcast where we engage in the learning and unlearning work for social justice and collective liberation. I'm Damien. And I'm Aaron. Thank you so much for joining us today. For those new to our podcast, Interdependent Study is meant to be a space and community for folks who believe in and want to do the work of social justice. Each week, we'll bring something new to the table, discuss our thoughts and feelings about it through the lenses of who we are and where we can go for a more just society. We want Interdependent Study to be a space where we're always learning with one another. And Aaron, you are up this week. Mm -hmm. What have you brought to the table today? Uh, Well, I suppose you could say I'm bringing a current event. Uh, Maybe it's a conversation about abortion rights and and access Um, since... You know, last week I named two very different articles uh, in preparation for this conversation. Yeah. Um, The first one was called or is called uh, the Supreme Court's radical abortion ruling begins a dangerous new era. Uh, So that was from the Washington Post editorial board. Uh, The second was the sinister connection between abortion rights, white supremacy and COVID by Gwen Snyder. And that was in Jezebel. Right. So both of these articles bring up some, I think, really crucial pieces of information uh, and analysis, uh, obviously pretty different. Yes. <laughs> um, but the, the piece from the Post uh, is a direct response to Roe being overturned uh, by the Supreme Court in the recent Dobbs decision uh, and includes a lot of analysis about the impact that this will have across the country. Right. Uh, and the the um, the Jezebel piece um, provides context for this decision uh, and how the, the movement for... Um, anti-abortion, the movement against abortion access uh, is is really tied to white supremacy uh, in a lot of ways and white supremacist theories like white genocide or uh, the great replacement theory. Right. Um, So there's, there's a lot in these to talk about. Yeah. Um, So yeah, I don't know what, what stuck out to you from these two articles. Yeah. I definitely like the idea of you framing this as a conversation, just sort of given how different these pieces were. Um, and sort of what they they focused on, um, but you know, I, as you say, they both really directly tied into the this really I think pressing issue for us as a society right now, which is just uh, abortion rights and and healthcare in general, right? Um, and you know, oh, yeah. as you say, the Supreme Court's really I think just terrible ruling and decision to overturn Roe v. Wade, and um, I I think it's 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 been days now. And I, if I'm honest with you, Aaron, I I still think I haven't really fully processed like, yeah. Yeah. What has gone down, what the Supreme court has done and sort of where we are as a country right now. I think it's just so heartbreaking. Um, yeah, it's heartbreaking. I think above all else. Um, but I think one of the things, um, as I was thinking about what I wanted to talk about is, you know, I want to take it a step back and, um, you know, I definitely want to talk about these two pieces in, in general. I think the, the Washington Post uh, editorial board's piece was a really good primer uh, about not only what happened, uh, which is important, obviously, to, re- yeah. to report the news and talk about it, um, even as a sort of an editorial piece, uh, but also about what really happened here. Uh, mm-hmm. if that makes sense with, uh, the Supreme court's ruling. And so what I mean by that is I think they're, you know, sort of the sinister and, and dangerous motivations and, and beliefs, um, what those were, um, and what those are, um, behind the decision, uh, the majority's decision, right. To overturn Roe v. Wade, um, which, you know, has been this 
I think they referenced it as a half century old precedent um, mm-hmm. that obviously gave Americans uh, the constitutional right to get abortions and and protected that right. Um, I right. should say, right? Um, yeah. And so they they and as you alluded to, like they also talked about the real impact of this decision um, and what it will mean for. Americans moving forward, um, which I thought that was a sort of a really good analysis and sort of some um, um, some insight into what we might see um, in the coming days and weeks and months um, yeah. uh, as an impact of this decision. And then Gwen Snyder's piece was <laughs> incredibly fascinating, um, particularly as this look at the real connections that exist between those things you named. So white supremacy, what it's done over the years, um, all of this great replacement theory nonsense um, and COVID. And I, and it was just sort of fascinating to sort of sit with all of that and see the connections, right. right. And to read yeah. the connections that she made. Mm-hmm. Um, and she used Texas as this case study, if you will. Yep. Um, and, and how all of that's connected to what we've seen now with the Supreme court's decision. So um, I, I very much so appreciated sort of the context setting and the sort of, um, um, the look into the potential future of our country um, that the editorial board piece did, um, and the I think oh, wild and incredible <laughs> analysis that Gwen offered right. uh, in her piece, and I think in many ways, uh, I think in many ways, neither of these pieces uh, held back any punches. <laughs> yeah, uh, and I, I, I particularly loved the idea of thinking about what's really going on here, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, what what are the um, what are the things that have led us here aside from, you know, political gamesmanship yes. for years from Mitch McConnell and a bunch of other stuff like that? You know, what what are the sort of, I guess, cultural pieces yes. that led us here? Um, and I think, you know, Gwen Snyder shares that, I think, in, in her piece. Right. Um, so in her piece, she says, quote, the notion of white genocide has always been explicitly tied to reproductive politics. Mm. Sterilization-obsessed eugenicists worried that black and immigrant reproduction would outpace white fertility, a fear amplified and exploited by Third Reich propagandists. The phrase white genocide itself has its origins in the United States neo-Nazi movement of the 60s and 70s, which suggested that Jews planned to exterminate the white race through the promotion of contraception and abortion. In the same era, contraception and abortion were becoming more safely available, mostly to white women. Mm. So this is control of women's bodies. Yep. Uh, a lot of it's tied directly into this anxiety um, about white people being replaced. Yes. Uh, and white supremacists are staunch anti-choicers. They're they're. Um, firmly against abortion um and they claim that the movement uh they claim that movement as part of their own project right and so um you know uh gwen snyder cites um president of i think the aryan nation or something who said essentially just that yes um that this is part of our project for a a a white a pure white race or something like that um and then toward the end of the article she added quote White supremacists want more white babies and fewer non-white people, and they want it by any means necessary. That's and the so part. That's, that's the, the part. part. And and I think one of the things that she points out later on in her piece um, is that um, this sort of ties to criminalization. 
Yes. Uh, and so, uh, you know, black and brown people are already further criminalized in the U.S. And you add uh, another way to, to criminalize um, folks who give birth and you, you, you end up with a sort of compounding issue there. The first person, I think, in Texas who was um, arrested under their new law that they passed last year yeah. or something like that um, was a, uh, an immigrant woman. Um, yes. And so that was um, – so that that's tied into this too because it's further control. It's the promotion of like, well, she's not going to be able to give birth now for her – if she – uh, had been found guilty and went to prison for basically her whole um, sort of child uh, bearing years. Right. Uh, I think is how she put it in the, in the article. Um, so there, there's all these pieces that she weaves together and it uh, I think points out how much of this is tied to um, this fear and anxiety over white replacement. Absolutely. Well, and I, I think the, the, the biggest thing that I take away from what you talk about and, and what Gwen talks about in this piece is this idea of control. I think that's it, yeah. right? Like that's, and that by any means necessary quote is huge, right? And so, um, you know, what that means for what white supremacists are doing, right? And the ways in which, you know, they are all about control, but now with this Supreme Court decision, right? Like now there's sort of state control over yeah women's bodies, right? And, and sort of, um, you know, access to abortions, right? And so the ways in which those things are uh, parallel actions, right? The ways that those things are related, the way that the ways in which those things are the same is really terrifying, yeah. right? Yeah. And the, the, the ways that all that's happening and also reducing the ability for doctors to treat their patients is also yeah. another, another layer of, of thing, like I think stories we've seen come out since the decision um, that maybe we'll talk about in a little bit, but yeah, yeah, it's it's there's all of these layers of of things that are happening with control. Yeah, I'd l I'd I'd love to talk about that more because it that makes me think about the the parallel to you know um, we've talked about sort of the um, what our teachers are facing right yeah. as we talk about this critical race theory nonsense in schools right so the decisions that our teachers have to make about what it is that they're going to teach and turning in their curriculum early and, mm -hmm. you know, drastically changing what it is that they're going to teach and how do I address students in my class? I mean, the same kinds of decisions, obviously, in some ways, maybe not life-threatening, uh, in some ways, maybe. Yeah, um, yeah the this this Gwen Snyder piece and all that you just talked about, I, I, I appreciated it so much because I think she did such a great job in sort of taking us to school, right, and giving us this history lesson around um, uh, sort of, as I see it, like this evolution of white supremacy, right, and how it's just had this direct impact on uh, the ongoing attack that is... Uh, abortion rights um, that we've seen over the years and um, where we are now with the Supreme Court's decision. And um, I just feel like there's so much we could talk about from Gwen Snyder's piece as it relates to this. But um, I, I think this idea of what she did to name just how mainstream this white supremacy is um, and how mainstream these white replacement conspiracy theories are is important uh, to highlight. Um, I mean, you talked about what took place in the 60s and the 70s in this country, but now, um, you know, as she points out in this piece, you've got this stuff being openly talked about 
in places and spaces like Fox News, right? And mm-hmm. by our elected officials and representatives in Congress, right? By the president when Trump was in office, right? Yeah. So lieutenant governor in Texas yes. as well, she cites in this piece. Uh, yeah. yeah, and I'm definitely, I definitely yeah. want to talk more about, uh, I was about to say something wildly inappropriate there. Um, that guy, um, <laughs> um, you know, you have these folks sort of explicitly telling these lies over and over again to anyone who will listen, right? Um, and and they're also sort of doing this work to point the finger at f- folks of color and undocumented folks, as you, yep. you reference, right? To sort of stoke this anger and this resentment and um, this anxiety and this fear um, to, I think, really to... Um, at the cost of um, dividing us even more as a nation, yeah. right? And so um, I, I think it, it's all of such a farce, <laughs> right? And it's doing oh, yeah. so much more harm to our country and to us as a society. And um, there's, you know, what I appreciate most about Gwen Snyder's piece is just that then connection that she makes between all of that um, and how we got here to the Supreme Court decision. Yeah, yeah, that um, that was really great uh, work that she did um, to tie all that together, and and as you said, to bring together these threads of COVID response and yeah, um, how that was tied to some control and and uh, you know white supremacy theory and, and stuff. So um, yeah, great great piece. Um, so I, I want to talk a little bit about the ludicrousness of the decision. Yeah. Um, so what the Post said in their piece was, quote, throughout their ruling, Justices Samuel A. Alito Jr., Amy Coney Barrett, Neil M. Gorsuch, Brett M. Kavanaugh, and Clarence Thomas played down the existential significance of pregnancy for women's lives. Quote, Attempts to justify abortion through appeals to a broader right to autonomy, wrote Justice Alito, could license fundamental rights to illicit drug use, prostitution, and the like. In fact, the Post continues, Mm. pregnancy is nothing like those things and is an intimate decision with few, if any, parallels. One, that a constitutional order that prizes personal dignity and autonomy requires individuals to be able to make themselves. Um, My goodness. <laughs> yeah. these So these justices signed on and compared, signed on to a decision that compared pregnancy to prostitution. Right. Um, in yes. terms of their, they be both are uh, sort of autonomous choices that someone can make and, and trying to create, a decision from from that, um, or, or adding an argument to the the decision that they wanted to make, um, and an, ar- sh- an argument by the Supreme Court yeah. of the United States of America. Yeah, and it's just so uh, ludicrous to try to imagine how any of that makes sense. Yes, that we would compare pregnancy to illicit drug use um, or prostitution. Um, I, I don't, I don't, I really don't fathom it. I yeah. don't understand how these people who are supposedly intelligent mm-hmm. and all went to Ivy League schools, all, I believe, yes. all of them. All I did. Yes, so, all I did. like, you know, you want to talk about elitism, yeah. <laughs> which I feel like the left is constantly 
accused of, and these six justices are talking down to people from their marble tower Mm -hmm. down the road from us in their weird robes Mm -hmm. about how pregnancy is the same as prostitution. Yeah. I don't, it's, it's so hard to fathom. Like I, yeah. I think if we had read that in a science fiction, like if I had read that in a novel, I would like, well, (laughs) this is terribly written. Yeah. This is awful. Uh huh. This is not believable. Absolutely. Uh, And here it is. It happened in our real life. Like, yes, I, uh, yeah, I'm yeah. Just, it's it's dumbfounding. It's it's dumbfounding. And again, I just I have to keep saying it, right? It's the Supreme Court of the United States of America, right? And so it is in it so is called, so called. <laughs> Are you referencing our friend? Uh, I don't know why I just called him our friend. I don't really know much about him, but Danny DeVito, his quote, oh yeah, <laughs> his yeah something tweet. like that. Yeah, his yeah. tweet was <laughs> Supreme Court, my ass. Yeah. <laughs> so good. I think that's the. I think that's. I offer that as a response to what you just said, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Because you're right; it's 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 ludicrous, it's uh, preposterous, and it's um, really just um, sort of jaw dropping to sort of see that. And there's so much about this decision that I think, you know, uh, from a sort of a human standpoint, from just sort of the um, the ways in which I think about the importance of abortion care and health care. <clears throat> excuse me, and reproductive rights and all of that um, for our society that has been protected for all these years, right? Like, I, I like, I don't understand how we got here. And then you read that, like, y'all yeah. used this yeah. as an argument? Mm-hmm. Get out of here. So um, I absolutely agree that um, I don't know how they use that to make sense of this and to um, overturn this decision. And, uh, you know, it, it ties into, you know, when you talk about ludicrous ideas. Uh, We mentioned him earlier, this Lieutenant governor in Texas. I want to talk about this guy. Um, This is really a sort of central part of Gwen Snyder's piece. Um, In thinking about the true danger of folks like governor Greg Abbott and Lieutenant governor Dan Patrick, uh, both from Texas. And um, I, I, I guess I stole this from her as I see my notes. Now Gwen Snyder referred to them in Texas as, a case study on the confluence of the mainstreaming of great replacement theory and enthusiasm for forcing pregnant people to give birth. Mm. And so the way in which she did this, well, she referenced Dan Patrick's 2019 press release on his website where um, he affirmed his commitment to legislative priorities that were pro-life and this ridiculous notion and connection between the U.S. birth rate and illegal immigration, mm-hmm. um, right? So that's one piece of this. She also highlighted um, the Abbott administration's work and mandates during COVID uh, to ban, quote, non-essential medical procedures. And they made a conscious decision to include abortions on that list, right? Um, As a non-essential medical procedure, Mm -hmm. right? And so just a year later is when the Texas State Senate introduced the Heartbeat Act, which if you want to talk about a cruel piece of legislation, um, I offer this as example. Um, It's an abortion ban bill that got signed into law um, and uh, there in Texas and then ultimately became really the inspiration for uh, where we are today with this Roe v. Wade decision, right? Mm -hmm. And so um, I wanted to sort of name that because, you know, she does some really good work to, again, talk about the connections between COVID and where we are now, right? And offering Texas as a case study for that and and what we saw there. Um, 
uh, is is so sickening to see for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. That that bill in Texas is really um, it, it um, is really uh, hard to imagine how that got passed because it basically turned neighbors and, and other people into um, tattletales yes. to the government of like, oh, I think that my neighbor uh, or I'm right. You know, it turned individuals into um, reporters right. of suspected um, uh, violations of the law in the ca- in this case, abortion. Yeah. Um, which is how it was the legal loophole. They figured out how to do this. Um, yeah. Um, so, uh, another part of the the sort of conversation around this that has popped up over the last couple of days yeah. um, is the realization that abortions will now be considered felonies in a lot of places. Oh yeah, um, yeah across yeah. the U.S., which means right that w- people who get abortions would likely have their voting rights st- stripped away. Yeah. Um, oh man. Yeah. Because that's generally what happens to fel people considered to be felons in this country. Right. Um, so people white people mostly in this conversation are connecting these dots between criminalized behavior and this arbitrary punishment for that behavior. Uh-huh. And they're making these connections in ways that I think that we, we as white people didn't in general, um, when we were talking about, um, those people over there getting in trouble and being criminalized and yes. their behavior being, you know, targeted, um, by these kinds of decisions, you know, specifically black people and poor people, um, and immigrants and, you know, the, the list of scapegoats that this country has is long. Um, but not noticing, not paying attention to the ways that that's been hap- that's been happening. Yes. And now seeing that, oh, this is now going to be applied to potentially people that I know. Absolutely. Uh, and, and just seeing that is like, you know, it, it's kind of like, well, that's true. It's a good piece of analysis, and that's been happening. So, you know, let's take that moment, take that learning, and recognize, and maybe feel uh, feel something about like, oh, how come I hadn't thought about this before? Absolutely. Now? Like, you know, yeah. and then use that, and let's 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 then move forward together with this new analysis and learning, and figure out what we do together to change that reality. Yeah, I appreciate you naming that, right? Because that wasn't sort of a part of either of these two pieces, right? But it has, as you said, sort of um, come out um, in the coming days and in, in, in the days since the decision and, and yeah. folks have been talking about it, right? And so this analysis that folks are having and this light, light bulb moments that folks are having around, um, around this and what it means for your rights, your, your, your additional, in theory, fundamental rights, uh, <laughs> your other fundamental rights, um, yeah. is wild. And so the, like, you're right. I, I want to say, right. Yeah. It's like, how do you take that light bulb moment and sit with it? Like the light has blinded you. You have to readjust your eyes mm-hmm. to the setting that you're in. Um, but now what do you do moving forward, right? And how do we stand in solidarity with each other? So I appreciate you naming that and sort of who generally maybe has felt that the most Mm -hmm. uh, when this has been something that has impacted lots of folks um, (laughs) for for all time, Uh, right? Um, I think it connects really well to one of the things I really appreciated about both of these pieces. 
uh, and they did it sort of in their own ways, right? But this idea around what this Supreme Court decision means for us as a country, as a society, as individuals um, moving forward. And uh, in particular, the, the Washington Post piece, I think, really did a great job to highlight how this decision has and will have an immediate impact on folks who are currently pregnant or who might become pregnant, which is obviously, I think, just a a gut-wrenching, significant, uh, worrisome healthcare issue um, that we need to attend to immediately, right? Um, But this decision is also going to have an impact on folks who find themselves needing to make potentially dangerous decisions about where to seek out abortions, right? And what what does it mean to potentially cross state lines to do so, right? And, mm-hmm. you know, that's a dangerous decision to make and could lead you into some trouble. Um, or getting dangerous operations, right, or procedures yeah. to, to do so, um, to get that abortion done. Um, so that's another piece of this. There's also the impact of... Uh, on folks seeking other reproductive health care, right? Yep. Because it's all related, right? And all a part mm-hmm. of this, right? And so uh, there's all of that and so much more. And so I think there's also for me, and you just sort of alluded to this a little bit, right? But like the ways in which I think we as a society need to think about all of this from a racial lens, right? And from a class yeah. lens as well, right? So what does it mean for folks with more privilege and access, um, you know, and how they're going to be impacted by this decision and how that looks very different um, than how it will look for folks with from marginalized communities, right? Or yep. folks with less access yep. and resources, right? Mm-hmm. That's a huge piece of this. Um, and certainly I think the point of these two pieces in many ways, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's, I mean, that's why I wanted to bring the Gwen Snyder piece in yes. is to add that extra context of like, let's, you know, um, talk about what the what what are the what are the deeper cultural pieces of uh, organizing that that um, you know white supremacist people have been doing um, to like set the set the foundation for this to be something that happens absolutely um, and how are those how are these things all going to tie together into like race in in a country in a society that is so organized around race and around class and around uh citizenship and and gender you know how those things are going to intersect and they're going to create new opportunities for punishment uh at all each of those intersections absolutely um so yeah all right well let's let's um shift and talk a little bit about application yeah i I just talked about punishment so that feels very tied into to how this is actually going to play out in our lives i think absolutely um, but I want to quote again from the Post uh, and say, they said, quote, this court, the court's audacious attack on abortion rights raises questions about the future of other legal guarantees, mm-hmm. including same-sex marriage, access to contraception, and even interracial marriage. These guarantees are based on concepts of individual rights of the sort of the court majority has now disregarded. These are all tied to specific court cases um, that uh, and precedent right uh, yeah yeah, and precedent that that, um, the court established supreme court established years ago Um, but now they seem like they could fit in the same kind of legal argument and framework that alito wrote 
Uh, and then Clarence Thomas uh, wrote a concurrent opinion um, uh, uh, agreeing with the majority um, and adding in that the court could now reconsider these things, basically. Um, and Absolutely. the the people who dissented uh, basically said the same thing, like this argument is so broad that you could now overturn potentially all of these things yes. because your argument is so like broad and, mm -hmm. and, and baseless. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I want to talk about, I guess the, the access to abortion rights and the ways that it is, is I think going to expand um, okay. out and impact a whole lot of people. Um, so uh, the, the day of the decision, um, uh, a woman had an ectopic pregnancy, went to the hospital, I believe in Missouri. Yes. They had a trigger ban uh, in place that as soon as the Dobbs, Dobbs decision came out, their attorney general signed some order and said basically uh, abortion is now illegal in Missouri. Um, so this woman, ectopic pregnancy, um, which basically means she's going to die unless um, a procedure occurs. Um, and the surgeon couldn't perform that procedure without first checking with a lawyer. Right. Um, and so she had to um, almost die uh, until they were able to get this figured out. Um, and I, I think the, the thread I read uh, said that she coded, like she had to be uh, attended to in a very acute manner because her um, systems were failing. Right. Um, mm. So there's that. I read something that uh, folks with rheumatoid arthritis um, take a medication uh, that is considered in some states to be um, abor abortion inducing. Uh, and so folks with rheumatoid arthritis are going to be impacted by this potentially, depending on the state you're in. Uh, I saw something else that uh, somebody who lives in Virginia um, has long COVID mm. and was prescribed a medication that has been helping them cope with long COVID. Um, it's not necessarily tied directly to what this drug is supposed to be doing. Um, it's off label. I think yeah. is what that's called. Yes. Um, and so uh, she had her, pharmacy refused to fill that prescription because yes. it is uh it could cause a miscarriage yes um so uh and then there are fertility treatments um that could also be impacted um for people who are trying to uh, conceive and so that's a whole other level of um, you know, you could talk about class and privilege and access in that too. That's its own conversation. Um, but that's another thing that I think we don't necessarily think about of, of being an impact, a potential impact or ripple um, effect from this Dobbs decision. Um, so I know it sounds like a very narrow thing. And I think it's going to be, uh, it's going to impact so many people yes. um, across uh, the country that it's hard to fathom it really how, how, it, how many people it's going to impact. It really is. And so I, yeah, I think it's important to name these cases, if you will. Mm -hmm. Um, right. And the ways in which, um, this decision is going to have an impact, as you say, um, on lots of folks and it may not be, and it is not, um, in the narrow sense of just thinking about abortion, right. It is, it has a direct impact on, 
you know, abortion, but also reproductive rights and yeah. healthcare, 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 yeah, holistic healthcare. Um, and there's so many ways our, um, you know, I mean, our bodies are these <laughs> incredible things, right? And the ways in which medications impact us in different ways, and the ways in which medication is used to treat a number of different things, right? It's complicated, yeah. um, but this decision is having su- is going to have such an impact um, on so many folks. And so uh, that quote in particular from the Washington Post piece definitely gave me pause and it's really good application. Um, yeah. And, and it, it really does make me worry about what's coming next. You know, um, you know, we've had a number of conversations about this. I've talked to lots of friends and family and, and just colleagues and folks at this point. And I think, you know, not a single person that I've talked to isn't also worried about what's coming next. Yeah. Right. And so I think that most certainly is the application for me, the, the ways in which this is going to impact really all of us. And it's going to impact our society. And um, I think where we go from here is going to be critical. Right. Yeah. Um, one of the things you mentioned when you introduced this piece, the Washington Post piece last week, I think really summed up, and I'm going to remind us of it as my application. They said, quote, Friday's ruling was another reminder for a country that needs no more that Americans cannot take for granted the freedoms they enjoy. Their decisions, particularly how and whether they vote, can have direct, dramatic, and negative consequences for their lives. Mm-hmm. So where we go from here is important. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. Um, all right, let's talk about homework. All right. Um, so how do we continue to learn more about this or engage with this topic? Um, I'm going to recommend for myself and for anybody listening um, to look into abortion funds. Yes, um, good. So the National Network of Abortion Funds does some great work. Um, they connect people with um, funds and organizers who are in their local communities, in their states. Um and their mission is to build power with members to remove financial and logistical barriers to abortion access by centering people who have abortions and organizing at the intersections of racial, economic, and reproductive justice. Nice. Um, so if you have a few um, coins that you can spare, um, send them to your local um, abortion fund. Uh, the National Network will... That their website, if you just Google that National Network of Abortion Funds, they lead you to funds in other states. Um, so you can give more directly to your local community if you would like. Love that. Um, or you can target, um, you know, if you're in a, uh, uh, a place that has not uh, had a trigger ban initiated and you want to send money uh, elsewhere, you could do that too. Um, right. So there's a, there's a variety of options, but um, just something to think about and, and also think about how you can support um, uh, this, the, uh, abortion fund. So people have, ac- continue to have access to this, um, healthcare. I love that. Well, and particularly I love the, and cause we talked about it a little bit earlier, this idea of the intersections that exist in those, yeah. in that space, right. Racial, economic, reproductive justice, right. Because that naming that and seeing those stories and understanding the complexity of this issue is so important, um, and how it impacts so many people and will continue to impact so many people. Um, so I love that national network of abortion funds. I think we should highlight them on our social media. Um, so folks have access to that information as well. Um, so that's great homework. I, I, you know, this decision, I think, um, 
like a lot of things in our most recent history and just time here on the as we've had this podcast right mm -hmm. i think has infuriated folks to no end and um really given folks a lot of um inspired a lot of energy by folks and so um i i want to encourage that i want to encourage folks to get out in these streets whenever folks are out in these streets you mm -hmm. know just to, to make it clear how dangerous of a decision this was um how much the majority the overwhelming majority of americans don't support this um, you know, how much we don't support these other, as you alluded to and talked about, the, these other potential attacks on other fundamental and guaranteed rights. Yeah. Um, you know, I think we have to make sure that folks are registered to vote. Everyone around us is registered to vote um, and that folks actually get out and vote uh, when the time comes. Right. Um, I, I just think we have to make it loud and clear and public about where we stand on these issues. Um, so uh, I wasn't able to go to sort of the initial round that weekend of, of protests at the Supreme Court. But uh, the next time folks are out there, uh, I cannot wait to be out there for mm -hmm. sure. So, yeah. 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 Um, it's good homework. Um, encourage you to figure out how you can connect in and, and sort support and, and stand in solidarity. Absolutely. Um, that's that's always the homework. Come right? on now. Um <laughs> Yeah. All right. So, Damien, you're up next week. Uh, what, do you, what are you bringing to the table in our next episode? Absolutely. You know, we're going to keep this conversation going in a way, if mm -hmm. you will. Um, uh, there is a new documentary. It just came out this year uh, yeah. on HBO called The Janes. Um, and we just watched the trailer of this together. Um, and, you know, th I think, uh, again, there's a clear connection to what's in this documentary. Um to what we're experiencing right now with this decision. And so um, I, I, mean, I was, it intrigued me. And so I want to bring it, I'm going to read part of the documentary description. Yeah. Uh, again, it's called the Janes. Uh, it says in the spring of 1972, police raided an apartment on the South side of Chicago where seven women who were part of a clandestine network were arrested and charged using code names, fronts and safe houses to protect themselves and their work. The accused had built an underground service for women seeking safe, affordable, illegal abortions. They called themselves Jane. Uh, it also goes on to say that uh, the Janes offer first-hand accounts from the women at the center of the group, many speaking on record for the first time. And the last thing I'll read is this. The, Jane, the Janes tells the story of a group of unlikely outlaws defying the state legislature that outlawed, outlawed abortion, the Catholic church that condemned it, and the Chicago mob that was profiting from it. The members of Jane risked their personal and professional lives to help women in need. In the pre-Roe versus Wade era, a time when abortion was a crime in most states and even circulating information about abortion was a felony in Illinois, the Janes provided low-cost and free abortions to an estimated 11,000 women. Um, so uh, uh, on one hand of the coin, it's uh, wild to read something that says in the pre-Roe versus Wade era. Yeah. Yeah, because here we are. Uh, mm -hmm. But, yeah, I'm intrigued by it. It seems like there was a, just this incredible group of women doing some really important work um, and organizing um, 
that made a difference in so many folks' lives yeah. um, back in the 70s. And so um, I'm intrigued to see, to, to watch it. Um, I'm intrigued to see sort of what connections we can make to, um, and what we can learn from them and the work that they did, right, yeah. um, in general, um, but also the connections that we'll be able to make um, to what we're seeing today. So mm-hmm. I'm excited to bring The Janes on HBO uh, to the table for us next week. Yeah, I'm looking forward to... Um, to watching that and learning more about um, what they what they did um, to create that network, yes, um, that the service of of creating safe but illegal abortions, yes, um, you know, in the pre row era where we now find ourselves in the post row era. Here we are, yeah, um, yeah. All right, well, looking forward to that conversation next week. Nice. Um, Good. Yeah, so we want to thank you for joining us today, for listening to Interdependent Study. Uh, You know what I'm going to ask you to do, but in case you forgot, please follow, leave a rating and review, share our podcast with the people in your life, uh, follow us on social media, check us out on YouTube. Uh, we got some old episodes up there for you to listen to in the background while you're at work or wherever you find yourself on YouTube. I like YouTube. it. Thank you for um, giving the people the suggestions. <laughs> and sign up for our email list to get notified about any new things we've got going on behind the scenes. Absolutely. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, it's not about us, but it is about us. And we'll talk to you next time.